Bibles today, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. It will also be on the screen. Uh, if you have your device, you can just open it up and follow along with me today. February is what we're going to call the month of I love my church. Now, the reason that we can love our church is because Jesus Christ is the head of our church. Isn't that true? So our love is actually for Jesus Christ. But he has given us the church. I'm amazed at the number of people who have attended church that don't really love the church. They just do it and come because they feel obligated to be a part of some kind of religious system. But let me tell you something. Love shows up when the going gets tough. How many of you know that? True love, healthy love, always rises when there are challenges and difficulties that have to be faced. In your household, in your family, if love is not there truly, when the going gets tough, it's easy to walk out the door. But for people who love one another, they understand that it's in those challenging moments that love rises. And so over the next uh, few weeks, four weeks, we're going to be talking about different facet, facets of love. Now, I need your prayers today. I always need your prayers, but I particularly need your prayers today because I'm going to be talking about finances. And you know how that can be very, very difficult to talk about. But here's what I've learned about finances. If we don't get the finance part right, then the ministry will never be what it could have been because it requires us participating by giving and living a life of giving. So today I want to talk to you about that this morning. I don't do it with shame. I don't do it because I'm afraid. But I just want the Lord to help me to speak about it in such a way that you will not feel any sense of manipulation or anything of that nature. We're just going to stay true to what we believe Scripture teaches, and, that's what I, and I want you to hang with me today. Will you do that? Amen. Now, next week, we're going to have a youth service here in our sanctuary. I have requested that our children will begin our service next week with a song. I don't know, they might boogie a little bit while we're up here. We don't really care. We just want them to participate in our worship service. After they have participated in the worship service, we will allow them to go back to Children's Church and participate there. Then after the children are finished, our young people, our youth, our teenagers and middle schoolers are going to come and they're going to participate in worship. If you were here a couple of Wednesday nights ago, you heard them then, and boy, didn't they do a great job. I'm telling you, if you stay home because you think, well, the youth are going to, you will be missing it because they did an excellent, excellent job, and they're going to next week as well. Say, why are you doing that? Well, because next week, I'm going to be revealing to you what one of our primary goals for this year is, and it has to do with our children and our youth. How many of you know that not only are they the future of the church, 
but they are the church right now. And we have to do everything that we can do to create an atmosphere where our young people can connect with Christ and connect with the family of God so that when they leave and go back, go to college, that they will not be able to wait until they can get back to their local home church and be a part of it as well. So next week's going to be an especially exciting week, and I want you to come and be a part of it. Today I want to share some information with you that I think is very, very important for us to understand so that we can get it right. And so I want you to stretch your hand this direction with me, if you will. Pray for your pastor today that I can represent God's word and his favor to his people. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for what has already transpired in this house today. What a, what a lovely day it has been in worship. And I believe that as we have called out your name in prayer, agreeing together that you have been working miracles and doing things in our lives that... Only you could do, and we give you praise, and we thank you in advance for the manifestation of it in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, I pray now that you will help us as we discuss this topic today, and that you will help me to speak properly and effectively. And Lord, I would never in any way want to be in the flesh and cause people to feel manipulated in any way. But the truth of the matter is, is that the Word of God speaks more about money than just about any other subject. And I'm convinced that if we don't get our money right, then we can't get ministry right. But if we can get our money right, then it opens up the doors for us to do things that are unimaginable in our flesh. So Lord, as we turn to your word today, we believe that you'll speak to our hearts today. And that you'll do a good work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. It says they. Now who's they? Do you have any idea who they are? The church. Say the church. Say I love my church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles' Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. Say, in common. They sold their possessions and property, and they distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It is God who builds the church, amen? But he needs our participation to get the job done. Now, I want to talk to you for a little bit today about how and why I love my church. The first thing I want to point out to you is, is that there are four expressions of the church. We find these in Scripture. The first is personal. Now, I want you to tap yourself right here on your shoulder and say, I am the church. 
Don't say, I'm part of the church. Say, I am the church. Wherever you are, you are the representation of God's church on the face of this earth. Now, if you say, I hate the church, and I don't like the church, and I get frustrated with the church, remember, you're tapping yourself on your own shoulder. You are, as much as I am, and as much as we are together, the church. Because the Spirit of the living God lives and dwells within you. He's not down the street somewhere. You don't have to call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. He's right here inside of you. And he is expressing himself to this world through you. So it is personal. Secondly, the church is the family. So Jamie French, your family is the church. Did you know that? You've got a wife and three little girls. They are the church. I could go on and name other families, but let me tell you how you represent Christ in your home will determine whether or not the church is important to you or not. I'm always reminded of the first time that my son Jonathan laid hands and prayed on me. I, I, over me, I was sick. I had laryngitis. It was Saturday. I had to preach on Sunday. And I was not feeling well. And I went to the uh, place to get some medicine. And Jonathan said, are you not feeling well? I said, I'm not feeling well. He said, I'll pray for you. And he reached up in the car and he laid his hands on my forehead and asked the Lord to heal me. And I said, thank you, son, I appreciate it, but I'm going to take some NyQuil as well, just in case the prayer doesn't work. I didn't tell him that, but that's what I was thinking. And when Jonathan asked me why I was going to take the NyQuil, I said, well, it won't hurt anything, and I'm just going to take it. So I made him mad, and he looked up to heaven, and he said, God, forget it. Just never mind. So you see, the way that we represent Christ in our home, it, depend, it, it, it shows how strong the church is. Listen, when we stay home weeks on end and don't go to church, we are telling our children that church is not important. When we barely make it in, we're telling the ch our children that church is not important. I, I, I like on Sundays, I, I, I don't have a show-off spirit, it's not about that, but at my house where I live on the cul-de-sac, I like to get my coffee and go stand on the front porch in my church clothes and let my whole neighborhood know that I'm getting ready to go to church. And I've noticed that since I've been there, Tyler across the street who is, I think, UPC probably, but he comes out now on his porch dressed up in his suit today, and he's ready and his family is going to church. It won't be long before we're going to have every family standing on their porch drinking their coffee saying, I am ready to go to church. It's in your family. Thirdly, you will be a part of a local church. Now this is where the problem comes in. Because you can pretty much like yourself and straighten yourself up, and you can lead your family however you want to lead your family, but it's that local church that's the problem. Because you got people in that church that just rub you the wrong way. 
And they just don't do things the way that you think they ought to do. But let me tell you something. When you look at somebody in your church and you get frustrated or aggravated with them, your job is not to judge them but to pray for them and believe that they struggle just like you struggle and they face challenges just like you face challenges. And when you get so aggravated at them that you'd like to slap the holy fire out of them, you need to pray for them and pray for yourself because the local church is a about relationships. It's about helping us to grow and mature in our faith. It's about being a part of a family of God where you can partner together and be active about the kingdom of God. I'll just tell you, this is the way that it is, whether you like it or not. In any local church, whether it's Highview, whether, whether it's Solid Rock, whether it's Harvest Around the Corner, whether it's Baptist, UPC, Assembly of God, or anything else, 20% of the people in that local church will do 80% of the volunteering and the work and give 80% of the money. And 80% of the people will do 20% of the volunteering and 20% of the giving. It is just the facts of life. It's the way life works. So if you're part of that 20% and you start getting judgmental about the 80%, God's doing a thing in your life where you can say, I'm going to do the best that I can do and I'm going to leave everyone else to the hand of God. The local church. The problem is, is that if we're not committed to the local church, then when the pastor makes me mad, I'm going to go find another local church. And let me just tell you, that's not God's plan for our lives. Every time that we get to the place where the Spirit of God challenges us to rise up, if we're not careful, if we're immature in our faith, then we'll just find another local church, and we have a whole lifetime of one local church after another local church after another one after another after another one instead of staying put and let God work through the challenges of being part of a local church. Well, let me tell you another thing that you won't like, but it's true. Because if you find a local church that is perfect, it will cease to be perfect when you go there. Is that okay? Can you handle that? Because we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I, I, there are days that I'm absolutely a lousy pastor. Say, Amen. And there are days that I'm pretty good at it. But it's just life. It's just the way that it is. And so we have to stay rooted in the family of God where God has placed us. We have become in our society a day of selecting churches based on our preferences rather than where God puts us so that we can be involved in ministry. So the church is local. And then finally, the church is global. I was thinking just this week, we have bought taxi cabs for Africa. We, we have bought uh, zip drives for students in, in Nairobi. We, we, have, uh, we have helped buy the first property that has ever been bought for a Church of God congregation in, in, uh, in uh, where, where do we do it? <laughs> 
thank you, New Zealand. I had Ireland in my head, and I knew that wasn't right. We've done things over and over again. I heard just a couple of days ago that the Church of God, the part of the organization that we're part of, now has over 8 million members around the world. So we're a part of something global. We have ministries that we tithe to from our local church. Every month, Erlene writes our tithe check from the church to the Church of God, and it is distributed to places like Lee University, uh, Operation Compassion. When there are disasters in the United States of America, you know who is often there first before anyone else? The Church of God. Because we've got trucks sitting in warehouses that are filled with food and water and supplies so that when disaster hits, we're able to go immediately. Did you know that you're part of that? Did you know that every time that you pay your tithe into this local church, it enables us to pay our tithe to our organization, which does not go to line the fat pockets of our administrative officials, but goes in the ministry and allows us to be prepared to do the work of the kingdom when the need arises. I'm talking about money today. I'm talking about how we can be a part of something significant. Now, as I began to look at my own life and ministry, about last year, I started asking the Lord, Lord, are you finished with me here at this church, or do you want me to hang around? I didn't want to leave. I don't want to leave. But I don't want to be here either if God doesn't want me to be here, because that means he's got somebody else for you who can do a much better job than I can. So I prayed, and I fasted, and I sought God. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want Donna and I to do? Where do you want us? Where can we serve you? And I felt a strong sense in my spirit that God is not finished with us here, and that we have a job to do. And so the next question becomes, God, what do you want us to do during this time? And the Lord began to speak to me about four different things. And I'm going to share those with you right now. The first is faith. If I'm going to be here as your pastor, you can expect me to pull you up higher in your faith. Because where you are is not sufficient for what God needs us to be doing in this earth. Now listen, it's easy to get this mentality that I'm saved, so I don't really need anything else. I'm, I'm saved, I'm going to make it to heaven, praise the Lord, glory to God. If Jesus takes me tonight, or if he comes back, I'm all right, no problems whatsoever. No, our faith needs to be evolving. Touch your nose. I was told and I've read that your nose never stops growing. Now some of you are starting to go like this. Oh God. We all have Pinocchio noses. They grow not because we're lying, but they grow because God designed our body. Certain parts of our body that always grow. They just always do. 
But we think about our faith and we think, well, I'm saved, so that's really, that's good enough. I don't need to do that. But that's not good enough. Because God has called us to be a part of the kingdom of God. And the way that we need to do church these days is very different than the way that we did church 25 years ago. Because the world has changed. God is always allowing change to take place. So we must evolve with it. I've been asked to speak at a church next Sunday night at their Valentine's banquet. And one of the things that I'm going to talk to them about is how that love evolves. You don't love your, your husband or your wife the same way that you loved them when you first got married. In fact, you probably didn't even really love them then. You just liked them a lot. But that like you a lot quickly started looking like love. And now... 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, 40 years later, somebody that I know just celebrated 70 years of marriage. They must have got married as soon as they popped out of their mother's womb. (laughs) 70 years. But you know what? At 70 years, they don't love one another the same way that they did When they first got married. Because love evolves. And did you know that faith evolves? Did you know that God will bring you up higher? If you'll learn to trust Him through your circumstances and through your days on this earth. When you are finished running this race. You will be able to say like the apostle did. I fought the fight and I kept the faith. I want to keep the faith. And so over the next five years. I'm going to be looking for opportunities to build your faith because I feel like that's one of the things God's called me to do. Secondly, we're going to focus more on family than ever before. We need strong families. We need to minister to your children. We need to minister to your young people. And I, 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 I'm telling you, you need to be here next week. Because we're going to talk about some ways that we can do that. And I think you'll get excited about it. But you need to be here next week. We need to figure out ways that we can minister to your family. COVID's pretty much done now. And we're going to reinstitute some of our visitation programs. You may have some people knocking on your door. You may get a card in the mail that says, Spirit Life Church loves you and is thinking about you. We're going to find ways to connect with you just like this this Acts chapter 2 church that was always together and ministering to one another. That's the kind of church that we want to have. I'll say more about it. Number three, we've got a facility here that we have to take care of. Yesterday, we walked in the gymnasium, and I got Kevin Morris, and I said, come down here and listen to this HVAC system. We went down there, and it was going, and I said to him, what is it? He said, I don't know. I said, I hope there's not a dead body in there. He said, I agree. We've been praying for that HVAC. We've been praying that God would heal it. But at some point, we may have to replace it. So we have a facility here that has to have the attention of the church. And nobody's going to do it but us. I remember when I first came here. How many of you remember when all of our carpet 
not all of it, but the majority of our carpet had mold down in it because of the rain that came in. Anybody remember that? Come on, more than three of you, I know. You remember us having to set out trash cans in order to catch the water? I remember when the general overseer of the church of God came by here to visit me. And he was standing right outside of the room that is now my office on moldy carpet. He had his fancy shiny shoes and he looked down and he was standing on moldy carpet. And he looked over at me and he hugged me and he said, may the force be with you. He said, I don't have any money that I can give you. We don't have anything set aside, but I can pray with you and for you. And he took my hands and began to pray and tears came down his cheeks as he said, God, this is one of the worst situations I've ever seen in my life. I thought, well, that's very encouraging. But you know, if you've been around here, God has helped us. God has helped us to get where we are today. But the facility will need our help. And then today, I want to talk about this. Finance. If we don't get this part right, we will come to a snail's pace when it comes to ministry. Because we have a mortgage that we have to pay. And we have insurance that we have to pay. And we have utilities that we have to pay. And we don't have anybody to help us pay that except God-ordained tithe payers who give into the church. We don't get any checks from anybody other than the constituents of the church. Nobody supports the ministries here except the tithe payers who pay their tithe. And so we understand what God says about tithing. And I'm so thankful. That last year, we saw more tithing come into our church than at any time since I've been your pastor. Our tithe was more than it's ever been before. And I'm expecting the same to happen this year. Why? Because you've accepted the teaching of what it means to be a tither. We were talking about a situation just the other day. And Donna looked at me and she said... I don't know how we're going to do that. And I said, I'm not worried about it. I said, because we are tithers. And God honors and blesses those who are obedient tithers. That's just the way it is. He said in Malachi chapter 3, if you'll bring it into the storehouse, my tithe. What is a tithe? You know what the tithe is. And if you don't know, let me just say to you, in very short terms, it is 10% of our income. God laid that out. I didn't. Don't blame me. Don't come on and fight me when church is over. That's what God laid out in His Word. Just bring me 10%. If I were to ask you today, how much money in your bank account is yours? You'd give me a number in your bank account, whatever's there, and you'd say, that's mine. I can spend that however you want. And to some degree, that would be true. But the fact of the matter is that you don't have a red cent to your name. Because everything belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the scripture says. So you don't own a dime. 
Say, I'm poor. Say, I ain't got nothing. And that's not entirely true because if you've got God on your side, then you've got everything you need. It's the one thing in Scripture where God says, if you'll do this, then you can test me. You can try me in this area of your life and see if I will not pour out a blessing upon you that you won't even be able to contain because I'm going to open the heavens of the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour it out underneath you or on top of you. And we can test him and we can try. Now most of you have already learned that lesson. But there's another thing that we've got to get a hold of. And it is the giving of offerings. We pay our tithe. I, you know, our people are so committed to tithing that you remember when COVID was hit and we couldn't have church and we, we, did, we decided we're going to do curbside giving and prayer. We're going to every Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, <clears throat> if you'd like to come by and pay your tithe, then we're going to be out here and we'll wait. You honk your horn. We'll come out. We'll get it. We'll pray with you. I was shocked at the number of people that came to church on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock and they drive up. Some of them have their dog in the car with them, you know, wagging his tail because he's so excited about paying their tithe. They pay their tithe and we'd pray with them. They'd go on. We've had people walk in just, just a few weeks ago. We were out here doing some work in the church and somebody came in with an envelope in their hand and they said, Pastor, I wanted to come by and pay my tithe. I wanted to make sure that it was paid in a timely manner. So we've got people that understand this idea about tithes. And we understand that our budget has to be worked in such a way that we can use the tithe dollar to pay our budget, to work our budget. Salaries come out of our budget. Utilities come out of our budgets. Uh, anything that we have to pay. And so our tithe is important. It's what we establish our budget on. But then there are other things. We have to come and we have to ask for offerings. So what we have before us right now is a wonderful opportunity to make a difference in the future of our church. Because we have a mortgage. You know that, right? You'll be glad to know that our church has no debt other than the mortgage. You can ask any of the elders. You can ask Arlene. They'll tell you, we have no debt other than the mortgage. And we are blessed to have this facility when we started this church, it'll soon be 13 years, in June of 2010. So in June of 2013, it will be 13 years. And we had the opportunity to take on the mortgages of this building so that we could have this property. We are in one of the prime locations in the south side of Louisville. We literally have thousands of cars that pass by our church on a daily basis. My wife used to know how many, because she sat out on the front porch of the parsonage one day, and she did the math. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Did she stay out there for 24 hours? No. But she did the math. She counted cars for a period of time, and then she multiplied it out. And she said, 
this is how many cars. She said, did you know that? I said, I did not know that. What I'm telling you is, is that every time that we do something out there in that parking lot, whether it's eating a hot dog or an ice cream truck or we have a Wednesday night Bible study out there, whatever the case may be, every time we're out there, there are people that just drive by us all the time. And they're saying, I wonder what in the world's going on at Spirit Life Church today. We have an opportunity that is amazing, and God knew that. And he provided this building for us. Now, when we took on these mortgages, there were two of them that added up to almost a million dollars. Look at your neighbor and say a million dollars. Put this up on the slide, if you will, Jared, if you're up there. It was $996,000. Now, I know some of you are thinking, are you preaching today? I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I'm giving you information that you need. And we're going, we're going to process all of this in light of Scripture. But I've got to give you some information that you need to know about. $996,000. That's almost a million dollars, right? How many of you... No, I don't want to ask you that. I was going to ask you how many of you were millionaires. But, you know, we may not have very many here today. That's a lot of money. We were privileged to be able to have this property. So, for the last almost 13 years, we are making and have made, we combined the two mortgages into one, we refinanced the mortgage to a lower rate, and for these years, we have made our mortgage payment without fail. We've never missed one. You can talk to Arlene, she'll tell you. We've never missed one. So the thing is, is that we've been faithful to what God has asked us to do. While we've been paying that mortgage payment, we've invested in world missions around the globe. We have given to state ministries. When we had tornadoes a couple of years ago on the western side of Kentucky, we raised money, we got clothing, we did everything that we could to help them while we're paying this mortgage. We continue to do all those things. We did not cut back ministry, not one bit. We kept paying our mortgage. And our mortgage now stands at about $616,498. So we've been able to knock off about almost a little over $300,000, almost $400,000. We've been able to knock off of this mortgage just by paying our mortgage payment. Can you say praise the Lord for that? $616,498. Now here's what we need to do for the next five years. Here's what we're wanting to do. And we're going to ask you. We're going to help you. Get you to help us. Because we believe God wants us to do this. If you have a mortgage, then you know that that mortgage can at times be oppressive. Isn't that true? There are times in our home when it's like when that, when that week comes that you got to pay the bank, the mortgage, how many of you sometimes say, oh, it's tough this week. <clears throat> it's hard this week. It's been rough. It can be oppressive. Sometimes it means that you can't have your ice cream that week. Because you got to have the money to pay the mortgage. It can be oppressive at times. But we've kept on, and we've kept going, and we've kept doing it, and we've been asking the Lord to help. 
So the Lord just kind of spoke to me and said, why don't you do at church like you're doing with your own mortgage at home? Now, Donna and I, years ago, were taught by a real estate agent how to add money to our mortgage payment that would go directly to the principal of the mortgage so that all of the interest for that month would be avoided because we paid the principal in that month. And we've been doing it for years. We've been doing it for a long time. And God has helped us to bring our mortgage down at a higher rate than what would be typical if we just paid the mortgage payment. And so we started doing the figures and crunching the numbers. I asked the elders about it. Do you think this is a good idea? One of the elders told me today, said, I can't wait. I've already started. You haven't even announced it yet. And I'm already doing it said, and here's what I believe. I believe God's going to help us to do this in a shorter period of time than what we've laid out. He said, I believe in three years we're going to have this mortgage completely paid off. I said, praise the Lord, I receive it. So here's the deal. We would like to add $2,000. Put that up there if you will. With our normal mortgage payment, with the $2,000 every month going to the principal of our mortgage. And if we can do that for the next five years, then when we get to the end of that five years, we will have our mortgage down to, put the figure up, $350,979. You said, can we not pay it off? We can if if we bring in more money. But if we add $2,000 per month in five years, we will have it down to $351,000. Now, what that does for us is it allows us to go back and refinance our mortgage in five years and get our payment down lower so that that money then can be put into ministry. Now, why did I make... The last number yellow. I'll tell you in just a minute. Go to the next slide if you will. And here's the deal. If we can get five people. To do $200 per month. Per year. Each year. That's a $12,000 gift to the church. That can be applied to the mortgage. I know some of you are thinking. Oh man. You know why? $200 a month? That's a lot of ice cream. Well, let me tell you something. In our congregation, we've got people that make a little money. And we've got people that make some money. And we've got people that make medium money. And we've got people that make a lot of money. And the Bible teaches that if we make a lot of money, we are to use that To build up the kingdom of God. It's not about how much money we are able to store in our barns. It's about how much we can invest in the kingdom of God. So if we can get five people to give $200 a month per year, that's $12,000 per year. Next one. If we can get five people to agree to give $100 a month times 12, that's $6,000. So we had 12 and then we got 6, that's 18,000. Can you, can you put that up there? Will it come? There you go. Next one. If we can get 10 people 
to give $50 a month for the next 12 months, that's another $6,000. And then if we can get 20 people to give $20 a month times 12 months, that's $4,800. And then there's the last part that I'm calling miracle money. See, when I pray, every time I pray for this church, I'm asking God for miracle money. You say, what's that? I'm believing God is going to bless some people in our church in ways that you don't even know yet how He's going to do it, but He's going to do it. Some of it will be when you start selling some things in your household. I just sold a piece of garden equipment the other day and got 50 bucks out of it. I said, hallelujah. I don't know what you'll do. But I believe God will bless you in such a way that this will represent the miracle money that you feel like you'd like to give in to the house of God. Now, I'm getting ready to close. I'm, I'm, I'm boring this thing down now so that I can tell you where we need to go. So uh, I'm, I just want you to prepare yourselves now. We can do this thing with God's help. But we've got to have your help as well. And so I want you to be praying about what the Lord might have you to do. We have already established a fund in our bookkeeping that's called debt reduction. You can go on if you pay your tithe and give your offerings online. You can go on there and you'll see it already. It's already there. And all you have to do is go online and put the amount of money that you feel like God would have you to do on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or however often you want to do it, and you can put it in there. Now listen, this can't replace your tithe because we need the tithe to pay everything else. But here's my promise to you. Whatever comes in, in that debt reduction category, will go directly every month to the mortgage payment, the principal of the mortgage payment. And we'll be able to get it done over a period of time. I believe God wants us to be able to do this. Now, you know, I try not to bother you a whole lot about money. I, 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 don't, I don't come knocking on your doors. I've heard of pastors who go to people's house and sit down on their couch and drink coffee with them and then lead up to, oh, by the way, I need you to write me a check. I've never done that. In all my life, in all my ministry, I've never done that. I've always just felt like that if the Holy Spirit cannot drive you toward an action, then there's no point in me trying because it has to come from Him. But if God puts it in your spirit, here's what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to have some people that will start tithing who have never tithed before. I believe that. I believe there are people who are going to say, you know, I have fought this thing long enough. Pastor's right. It's a scriptural principle. And if I don't obey it, I don't know how I can trust God to do what I need Him to do to help me with my finances because I'm not willing to be obedient to His Word. I think we got some people who are going to start tithing. I think that we've got people who are going to start giving. And this is going to be one way that it can be done is through the debt reduction. I believe people are going to start doing that. And I believe we're going to be amazed. Now, let me just close with this. Those of you who've been with me all this time, you know that the majority of what God has done in our church has been because of miracle giving or miracle money. 
I remember when we didn't have a microphone to sing into. We didn't have a piano to play. We didn't have drums to beat. We didn't have chairs to sit in. We, how many of you remember those days? We had a member of our church come up and say, Pastor, I will match anything the congregation gives up to $15,000 so that we can do that. And just like that, in one Sunday, we went from $0 to $30,000 because we raised $15,000 that day and the match came in at $15,000. And we had $30,000 and we needed fifty. dollars Somebody called me on that Saturday who doesn't attend this church, doesn't even live in the state of Kentucky, and said, how much do you need? I said, we need $20,000. They said, I'm sending you a check. My little faith said, how much will the check be? I wanted to make sure I knew where we were. And the individual said, $20,000. And we had our $50,000 that we needed. And we bought a few microphones, and we bought a piano, and we bought drums, and we bought some chairs, and we bought those kinds of things. And we were freely able to give God all the praise and all the glory. I'm talking about the things that God has done for our church. We were able to get carpet for our church and it didn't cost us anything because somebody called and said a business uh, has all this carpeting, 15,000 square feet of carpet and all you have to do is come pick it up. I remember the day that I asked Brandon to go out and pick it up. I said, just pick up your tr pickup truck. It won't take you but just an afternoon because I didn't know how much carpet they had. Brandon called me and he said, Pastor... He said, I'm out here to get this carpet. And he said, we're going to need a bigger truck. And he sent me a picture of this warehouse with all this carpet. And I said, you're right, brother. We're going to need a bigger truck. <clears throat> we still have some of that carpet that we use from time to time to put in smaller re uh, thing, uh, rooms. But I'm telling you, God is on the throne. We don't have to put out trash cans anymore. You know why? Because I was one of many who were saying, God, we don't have enough money to get the roofs fixed on this church. And we prayed and said, God, will you help us? And God sent us a hailstorm. One of the biggest ones in Louisville that had ever been in the years. I mean, huge. And insurance company came out and said, all of your roofs need to be replaced. And I just grinned from ear to ear. They didn't know that we prayed in that hailstorm. But the insurance company had to write us a check for $126,000. And we were able to put new roofs all over this facility. What am I saying to you? I'm saying we've seen God do so many things in the past. And He's not finished with us yet. But He knows in order for us to be released to do the ministry that we need to do, we've got to get rid of one of the oppressions that has kept us from moving forward. And that is a mortgage payment. We need to get it taken care of. And you can help us do that. So I want the musicians to come. I know this has been a different service. I don't know that we've ever had one quite like this in, in all the years I've been here. Listen, I'm telling you, I know this is true. I feel it in my spirit. We cannot get ministry right until we get the money right. 
Because it takes money in this earth to do ministry. You know that, right? But if we can get the money right, we can get the ministry right. And God will find us being faithful when He comes again, when Jesus comes again. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to make a big deal out of you. You know how we do church, we do, do we, world missions? Our world missions guy comes, he presents the product project, and then he says, you fill out what you think you can do. I'm not going to bug you. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to send you emails saying, hey, you need to pay this. You're behind. I'm not, it's, up, it's between you and God. That's what I'm telling you today. It's between you and God. Maybe some of you could give more than even what I projected on the screen. If you got it and you want to give it, listen, the sooner we can get rid of the mortgage, the more ministry we can do. Just getting rid of the mortgage would give us about 6,000 additional dollars every month to put into ministry. With the 2,000 added in, with our mortgage payment and the 2,000 added in. Can we do it? We can. God can help us. And I want you to be part of it. So I want you, whenever you feel good about it, whenever you feel led to do it, maybe it'll be next Sunday before you can feel good about doing this because you need to go home and talk to your spouse, your husband, your wife, your family. Maybe you came prepared today to already get involved. I just want you to take one of the tithe envelopes that's in the chair and I want you to open it up and I want you to write the word debt when you get ready to do it. And then I want you to pick the amount that God is going to help you to do over the next period of time, at least for the next year. You don't have to put anything in the envelope yet. If you don't have it, it might be a statement of faith by you, but I want you to do it so that we'll know how much that we can anticipate and how quickly we can get to our goal. And then I want you to just put your name so that we'll know and we can get you set up for it. And then I want you to start paying it out. This is going to be one of those below the scene kind of things. I'm not going to get up here every week and say, did you pay it? Did you pay it? We need you to pay it. Will you pay it? Come on, those of you who didn't, will you get on board? I'm not going to do that. This is going to be something that's going to float underneath the surface. And we're going to be one of these days able to say this is what God did when we committed ourselves to this. And so if you want to do that today, just put it in that box at the back, seal it, put it in there, and we'll get started. You know, I, I used to would say something like this, wouldn't it be nice if we could pay off this mortgage? And I realized that that word wouldn't needs to get out of my category out of my mouth, out of my way of communicating. And instead of saying, wouldn't it be nice? I'm saying, won't it be nice when we can have this mortgage paid for and God can help us to do all the ministry that he's called us to do. Now, how many of you are awake? How many of you have been thinking long and hard about what I've been saying today? I didn't spit on anybody. 
I didn't call anybody up for a prayer meeting. I didn't do any of that. But hopefully, I've put some things in your mind for you to think about and pray about. It's not about me. I'm not going to get a dollar more in salary. I'm not going to make one penny more than what I'm making right now. But it's about freeing up money, paying off a mortgage so that we can say we are not in bondage to the lender because it's taken care of. How many of you love talking about money? Two of you, praise the Lord. Maybe I should talk about it more often. I asked the Lord one day in prayer, Lord, I've asked you for so many things during my time here at Spirit Life. But Lord, I want to ask you for one more thing that I really believe you can do and I really believe you'd like to do, and that is this. I would love more than anything to be able to burn the note on this mortgage before my season of ministry with you is over. I'm committing myself to you for another five years. For some of you, you'll be thrilled to death about that. For others of you, you'll say, oh, Jesus. Whatever you say, I'm committed. We're going to work on this together. Next week, the week after, the week after that, we're going to talk about other things that we're going to be doing as God unfolds this five-year ministry. I believe when we look back on this day and this month, we're going to say, wow, what a turning point for our church as he moved us into a time of freedom and expression. So I want you to just take a few moments, just bow your heads where you are, pray. I want you to ask God what you could be doing, how he'd like for you to be participate. I want you all to sing something while we pray and as we give consideration to this. And I'll be back in just a moment. We'll dismiss and we'll close out. Go ahead, if you will.